Chapter Three of Phantom Fortune, a novel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jyoti Taravanath. Phantom Fortune, a novel by mary elizabeth braddon chapter three on the wrong road lord and lady Mulwaria left southampton next morning posting they took two servants in the rumble steadman and the footman steadman was to valet his lordship the footman to be useful in all emergencies of the journey the maid and the valet were to travel by heavy coach with the luggage her ladyship dispensing with all personal attendance during the journey the first day took them to rugby whither they travelled across country to wallington and oxford the second day took them to lichfield lord Mulvaria was out of health and feeble and grumbled a good deal about the fatigue of the journey the badness of the weather which was dull and cold east winds all day and a light frost morning and night as they progressed northward the sky looked greyer the air became more biting his lordship insisted upon the stages being shortened he lay in bed at his hotel till noon and was seldom ready to start till two o'clock he could see no reason for haste the winter would be long enough in all conscience at fellside he complained of mysterious aches and pains described himself in the presence of hotel keepers and head waiters as a mass of maladies he was nervous irritable intensely disagreeable lady Mulvaria bore his humours with unwavering patience and won golden opinions from all sorts of people by her devotion to a husband whose blighted name was the common talk of england everybody even in distant provincial towns had heard of the scandal against the governor of madras and everybody looked at the sallow faded anglo-indian with morbid curiosity his lordship sensitive on all points touching his own ease and comfort was keenly conscious of this unflattering inquisitiveness the journey protracted by lord Mulvaria's languor and ill-health dragged its slow length along for nearly a fortnight until it seemed to lady Mulvaria as if they had been travelling upon those dismal flat unpicturesque roads for months each day was so horribly like yesterday the same hedgerows and flat fields and passing glimpses of river or canal the same absence of all beauty in the landscape the same formal hotel rooms and smirking landladies and so on till they came to lancaster after which the journey became more interesting hills arose in the background even the smoky manufacturing towns through which they passed without stopping were less abominable than the level monotony of the midland counties but now as they drew nearer the hills the weather grew colder snow was spoken of and when they got into westmoreland the mountain peaks gleamed whitely 
against a lead-coloured sky you ought not to have brought me here in such weather complained the earl shivering in his sables as he sat in his corner of the travelling chariot looking discontentedly at the gloomy landscape what is to become of us if we are caught in a snowstorm we shall have no snow worth talking about before we are safely housed at fellside and then we can defy the elements said lady malwaria coolly they slept that night at oxenholme and started next morning under a clean bright sky intending to take a luncheon at windermere and then to be home by nightfall but by the time they got to windermere the sky had changed to a dark grey and the people at the hotel prophesied a heavy fall before night and urged the earl and countess to go no further that day the later part of the road to fellside was rough and hilly if there should be a snowstorm the horses would never be able to drag the carriage up the steepest bit of the way here however lord mulvary's obstinacy came into play he would not endure another night at an hotel so near his own house he was sick to death of travelling and wanted to be at rest among comfortable surroundings it was murder to bring me here he said to his wife if i had gone to hastings i should have been a new man by this time as it is i am a great deal worse than when i landed every one at the hotel noticed his lordship's white and haggard looks he had been known there as a young man in the bloom of health and strength and his decay was particularly obvious to these people i saw death in his face the landlord said afterwards every one even her ladyship's firmness and good sense gave way before the invalid's impatience at 3 in the afternoon they left the hotel with four horses to make the remaining 19 miles of the way in one stage they had not been on the road half an hour before the snow began to fall thickly whitening everything around them except the lake which showed a dark leaden surface at the bottom of the slope along the edge of which they were travelling too sullen for speech lord mulvaria sat back in his corner with his sable cloak drawn up to his chin his travelling cap covering his head and ears his eyes contemplating the whitening world with a weary anger his wife watched the landscape as long as she could but the snow soon began to darken all the air and she could see nothing save that blank blinding fall halfway to fellside there was a point where two roads meet one leading towards grasmere the other towards the village of great langdale a cluster of humble habitations in the heart of the hills when the houses had struggled as far as this point the snow was 6 inches deep on the road and made a thick curtain around them as it fell by this time the earl had dozed off to sleep he woke an hour after let down the window which let in a snow-laden gust and tried to pierce the gloom without as black as erebus he exclaimed but we ought to be close at home by this time 
yes thank god there are the lights the carriage drew up a minute afterwards and steadman came to the door very sorry my lord the horses must have taken a wrong turn after we crossed the bridge and now the men say they can't go back to fellside unless we can get fresh horses and i'm afraid there's no chance of that here here exclaimed the earl what do you mean by here where the devil are we great langdale my lord a door opened and let out a flood of light a red light of a wood fire the pale flame of a candle upon the snowy darkness revealing the panelled hall of a neat little rustic inn an eight-day clock ticking in the corner a black and white sheepdog coming out at his master's heels to investigate the travellers to the right of the door showed the light of a window sheltered by a red curtain behind which the chiefs of the village were enjoying their evening have you any post horses asked the earl discontentedly as the landlord stood on the threshold shading the candle with his hand no sir we don't keep post horses of course not i knew as much before i asked said the earl we are fixed in this dismal hole for the night i suppose how far are we from fellside seven miles answered the landlord i beg your pardon my lord i didn't know it was your lordship he added hurriedly we are in sore trouble and it makes a man draught like and there's nothing else we can do is there no hope of getting on steadman asked the earl cutting short these civilities not with these horses my lord and you here we can't get any others is there any farmer about here who could lend us a pair of carriage horses the landlord knew of no such person then we must stop here till to-morrow morning what infernal fools those post-boys must be protested lord mulwarrier james steadman apologized for the postilions explaining that when they came to the critical point of their journey where the road branched off to the langdales the snow was falling so thickly the whole country was so hidden in all-pervading whiteness that even he who knew the way so well could give no hope to the drivers he could only trust the instinct of local postilions and local horses and instinct had proved wrong the travellers alighted and were ushered into a not uncomfortable looking parlour very low as to the ceiling very old-fashioned as to the furniture but spotlessly clean and enlivened by a good fire to which his lordship drew near shivering and muttering discontentedly to himself we might be worse off said her ladyship looking round the bright little room which pleased her better than many a state apartment in the large hotels at which they had stopped hardly unless we were out on the moor grumbled the husband i am sick to death of this ill-advised unreasonable journey i am at a loss to imagine your motive in bringing me here you must have had a motive i had answered lady mulwarrier with a freezing look i wanted to get you out of the way i told you that plainly enough at southampton i don't see why i should be hurried away and hidden said lord mulwarrier i must face my accusers sooner or later of course the day of reckoning must come but in the meantime 
have you no delicacy do you want to be pointed at everywhere all i know is that i am very ill answered her husband and that this wretched journey has made me twenty years older we shall be safe at home before noon to-morrow and you can have Horton to set you right again. You know you always believed in his skill. Horton is a clever fellow enough as country doctors go, but at Hastings I could have had the best physicians in London to see me, grumbled his lordship. The rustic maid-servant came in to lay the table, assisted by her ladyship's footman, who looked a good deal too tall for the room i shan't dine said the earl i'm a great deal too ill and cold light a fire in my room girl and send steadman to me this to the footman who hastened to obey you can send me a basin of soup presently i shall go to bed at once he left the room without another word to his wife who sat by the hearth staring thoughtfully at the cheery wood fire presently she looked up and saw the man and maid were going on with their preparations for dinner i do not care about dining alone said her ladyship we lunched at winmare and i have no appetite you can clear away those things and bring me some tea when the table furniture had been cleared and a neat little tea-tray set upon the white cloth lady mulvaria drew her chair to the table and took out a pocket-book from which she produced a letter this she read more than once meditating profoundly upon its contents i am very sorry he has come home wrote her correspondent and yet if he had stayed in india there must have been an investigation on the spot a public inquiry is inevitable and the knowledge of his arrival in the country will precipitate matters from all i hear i much fear that there is no chance of the result being favourable to him you have asked me to write the unvarnished truth to be brutal even remember his delinquencies are painfully notorious and i apprehend that the last sixpence he owns will be answerable his landed estate i am told can also be confiscated and in the event of an impeachment at the bar of the house of lords as in the warren hastings case but as yet nobody seems clear as to the form which the investigation will take in reply to your inquiry as to what would have happened if his lordship had died on the passage home i believe i am justified in saying the scandal would have been allowed to die with him he has contrived to provoke powerful animosities both in the cabinet and at the india house and there is i fear an intention to pursue the inquiry to the bitter end assurances of the writer's sympathy followed these harsh truths but to this polite commonplace her ladyship paid no attention her mind was intent on hard facts the dismal probabilities of the near future if he had died upon the passage home she repeated would to god that he had so died and that my son's name and fortune could be saved 
the innocent child who had never given her an hour's care the one creature she loved with all the strength of her proud nature his fortune was to be blighted by his father's misdoings overshadowed by shame and dishonour in the very dawn of life it was a wicked wish an unnatural wish to find room in a woman's breast but the wish was there would to god he had died before the ship touched an english port but he was living and would have to face his accusers and she his wife must give him all the help she could she sat long by the waning fire she took nothing but a cup of tea although the landlady had sent in substantial accompaniments to the tea-tray in the shape of broiled ham new-laid eggs and hot cakes arguing that a traveller on such a night must be hungry albeit disinclined for a ceremonious dinner she had been sitting for nearly an hour in almost the same attitude when there came a knock on the door and on being bidden to enter the landlady came in with some logs in her apron under the pretence of replenishing the fire i was afraid your fire must be getting low and that you'd be most starved my lady she said as she put on the logs and swept up the ashes on the hearth such a dreadful night so early in the year too i'm thinking we shall have a gay hard winter that does not always follow said lady monwaria has stedman come downstairs yes my lady he told me to tell your ladyship that his lordship is pretty comfortable and hopes to pass a good night i am glad to hear it you can give me another room i suppose it would be better for his lordship not to be disturbed as he is very much out of health there is another room my lady but it's very small i don't mind how small if it is clean and airy yes my lady i'm thankful to say you won't find dirt or stuffiness anywhere in this house his lordship do look mortal badly added the landlady shaking her head dolefully and i remember him such a fine young gentleman when he used to come down the rothe with the otter-hounds running along the bank jumping in and out of the back up to his knees in the water and now to see him so white and maciated and broken down like in the very prime of life all along of living out in a hot country among black moors which is used to it poor ignorant creatures and never knew no better it must be a hard trial for you my lady it is a hard trial ah oh, we all have our trials rich and poor sighed the woman who desired nothing better than to be allowed to unbosom her woes to the grand-looking lady in the fur-bordered cloth pelisse with beautiful dark hair piled up in clustering masses above a broad white forehead and slender white hands on which diamonds flashed and glittered in the firelight an unaccustomed figure by that rustic hearth we all have our trials high and low that reminds me said lady mulvaria looking up at her your husband said you were in trouble what did that mean 
sickness in my house my lady a brother of mine that went to america to make his fortune and seemed to be doing so well for the first five or six years and wrote home such beautiful letters and then left off writing all at once and we made sure as he was dead and never got a word from him for ten years and just three weeks ago it drops in upon us as we was sitting over our tea between the lights looking as white as a ghost i gave a shriek when i saw him for i was regular scared out of my senses robert's ghost i cried but it was robert himself come home to us to die and he's lying upstairs now with so little life in him that i expect every breath to be his last what is his complaint apathy my lord dear dear that's not it i never do remember the doctor's foreign names atrophy perhaps yes my lady that was it happen such crack jaw words come easy to a scholar like your ladyship does the doctor give no hope well no my lady he don't go so far as to say there is no hope though robert has been badly so long it all depends he says upon the rallying power of the constitution the lungs are not gone and the heart is not diseased if there's rallying power robert will come round and if there isn't he will sing but the doctor says nature will have to make an effort but i have my own idea about the case added the landlady with a sigh what is your idea that our robert was mocked for death when he came into this house and that he meant what he said when he spoke of coming home to die things had gone against him for the last ten years in america he married and took his wife out to a farm in the bush and thought to make a good thing out of farming with the bit of brass he had saved at haim but america isn't jert langdale you see my lady and his knowledge stood him in no stead in the bush and first he lost his money and he fashed himself terrible about that and then he lost a child or two and then he lost his wife and he came back to us a broken-hearted man with no wish to live the doctor may call it atrophy but i will call it what the scripture calls it a broken and a wounded spirit who is your doctor mr evans of ambleside that little half-blind old man exclaimed her ladyship surely you have no confidence in him not much my lady but i don't believe all the doctors in london could do anything for robert good nursing will bring him round if anything can and he gets that i can assure your ladyship he's my only brother the only kith and kin that's left to me and he and i were gay fond of each other when he was young you may be sure i don't spare any trouble and my good man thinks the best of his larder or his cellar hardly good enough for robert i'm sure you're kind good people replied her ladyship gently but i should have thought mr houghton of grasmere could have done more than old evans however you know best i hope his lordship is not going to add to your cares by being laid up here but he looked very ill this evening he did my lady 
mortal bad however we must hope for the best steadman is a splendid servant in illness he nursed my father for years will you tell him to come to me if you please i want to hear what he thinks of his lordship and to discuss the chances of our getting home early to-morrow the landlady retired and summoned mr steadman who was enjoying his modest glass of grog in front of the kitchen fire he had taught himself to dispense with the consolations of tobacco lest he should at any time make himself obnoxious to our ladyship steadman was closeted with lady mulveria for the next half hour during which his lordship's condition was gravely discussed when he left the sitting-room he told the landlord to be sure and feed the post-horses well and make them comfortable for the night so that they might be ready for the drive to fellside early next morning do you think his lordship will be well enough to travel asked the landlord he has made up his mind to get home ill or well answered steadman he has wasted about a week by his dawdling ways on the road and now he is in a fever to get to fellside end of chapter 3 recording by jyoti taravanath